text today. Uh, we've been in 1 Corinthians. Uh, seems like we can't get away from the Holy Spirit, can we? <laughs> That's a good thing. God it's God with us. That's what the Holy Spirit is. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit. You don't want to ever be away from the Holy Spirit. All right, back to Acts 11. Uh, last time Reed, Reed was preaching in Acts 10, that was four weeks ago. Is that right? So it's been a while. So good thing, the good thing about chapter 11 is it kind of reviews chapter 10. So we'll, we, we, we can kind of pick up the story. Well, let's read here. It says, verse 1 says, Now the apostles and, and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began, began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending. Being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice say to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, no, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the, the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made... Made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me as we entered the man's house. And he told us how he'd seen an angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I that I should stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Lord, we come before you. We know that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. It is your Spirit that makes us alive in Christ and fills us to do your works and fills us to, to be your, your children. And Lord, we just ask for your enlightening power to come upon our minds and hearts so that we would understand, that we would be convicted, that we would be stirred to draw near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've, we've done a lot of teaching well, Reed and Josh have done a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit these last weeks. Uh, they have done just a masterful job of, of sorting through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and laying a foundation laying a foundation for some of the things I'm going to say today. God 
wants all of us to be filled with his spirit. And, and I think they've iterated, reiterated that. And this, this story is, is, is going to bring that out today. So far in Acts, the gospel had come to the Jews. In Acts 2.4, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And then they came to the Samaritans, the half-Jews, the ones that there was, there was a lot of racial animosity, cultural animosity between the, the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews weren't even sure the Samaritans were Jews. But Philip came and preached to them, and they received the gospel, and the Holy Spirit didn't fall on them until the apostles came and prayed for them. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The Gentiles are the end, we're the end of the earth. I mean, is it, who here is, anyone here Jewish at all? All right, we're all Gentiles here today then. <laughs> we're going to see here how Peter, and, and, and Reed talked about this before, God has to change Peter's theology and thinking. So that God's purpose of saving all of mankind through Jesus can be understood. Because right now the Jews, they don't think the Gentiles can be saved. They don't think we could be saved. They think we're excluded. Reed talked a lot last week about we bring baggage to our Christianity. Whether we are raised in the church or not, Whatever church we were raised in, we, bring, we just bring ideas about God. We bring uh, ideas about theology. We bring ideas about lots of things. And we have to be very careful to take the book and just the book, God's Word, and let that be our, be our life, our theology, and how we think about God. Because He's revealed who He is. He's revealed to us what He's like. And what he wants to do in the church and what he wants to do in our hearts and life through this book. So I just want, you know, however you're raised, I want you to just receive the word with all readiness of mind. And then after I'm done, search the scriptures like the Bereans and see if those things are so. Because God wants us to act on the word. He, want, he doesn't want us just to suck it in like a sponge. He wants us to do something about it. And we need to take action. It is a written word of God that declares to us the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So some people like to think of, well, you can either follow the Spirit or you can follow the Word. The Holy Spirit wrote the Word. The Holy Spirit, this book was breathed by the Holy Spirit as prophets and men of God spoke of old, it says. They were, it says they were moved along by the Spirit. It was God-breathed. So the two aren't part, they're together. And, they, and, if, you, if, and if it seems to be 
what's going on in your life and what the Spirit's doing or vice versa, they, you need to make sure they are like this. You need to be careful. The Holy Spirit is also who makes the Word of God alive. I can remember before I knew Jesus, I would, you know, I grew up in a, in a, in a, more, in a more nominal kind of a church. I, I remember trying to read the Bible, and I, I felt, I just would fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I, it didn't make any sense to me. It just seemed the words were dead. But once I accepted Christ, the words came alive. And that's, that's because the Holy Spirit was inside me. And he's the author. And the author can interpret the book for you. All right, well, let's go to chapter 11. It says, in chapter 10, we, we, we see the story of how Peter went to Cornelius and preached the gospel, and the salvation of the Gentiles happened. So, if you read chapter 10, you think, wow, this, this is incredible. This is the Holy Spirit... The Gentiles all receive the gospel. The Holy Spirit falls. And Peter comes to Jerusalem. But what kind of reception did he get when he got there? Instead of rejoicing and gladness, Peter was met with harsh criticism. They just weren't a little mad at him. They weren't going, oh, I don't know what Peter did. They were in his face. Peter, you ate with Gentiles. You, what are you doing? We don't do that. That's not from God. Why did you do this, Peter? So Peter, in chapter 11, is going to explain it to them. Now, I don't know, since we're all Gentiles, and this is a while ago, you need to understand, this this isn't a small thing to the Jews. They considered... Gentiles, dogs. And in the Middle East today, calling somebody a dog is still a big insult. I mean, we love dogs. We have them in our house and, you know, our pets. But calling somebody a dog in the Middle East, even today, uh, is about one of the lowest things you can call someone. So the Jews considered us Gentiles dogs. They stayed away from us because that, they thought that was part of that was part of them being holy and separate people for, to God. So this is, a, this is a large hurdle for them. This is a huge thing for them to get, get over. This isn't something small. Jesus alludes to this in Matthew 15. I'll read this, this story just so you can kind of understand. This is the story of the, uh, the, the woman of Tyre. And she has a daughter who's demon-possessed. And she came to him and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. She's a Gentile. And she said, Yes, Lord. But even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, A woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Do you like me? I mean, 
It doesn't feel good to be <laughs> thought of that way, does it? But that's, that's the way it was. So God is merciful. If you remember Jesus, he was criticized for associating with publicans and sinners, for eating with them. Remember the Pharisees saying, if, Jesus, if you knew what kind of woman this was, you wouldn't let her kiss you. Kiss your feet. Kiss your feet. You wouldn't. You wouldn't associate with this woman. The Jews were very ceremonial because that's a, that's what they understood that God wanted. And that's what they thought He wanted. But God is going to turn it all on its on its on its turn. He's going to flip it all over here. Not only this, the Gentiles, the Romans, they were the people in control. They were in control of, of Israel, of Judea, Samaria. They controlled the whole regions. They were the rulers of the civilized world at the time. So not only was the, they were Gentiles, these guys were occupiers. These were the occupiers of, the, of their country. There was a large segment of the Jews. They, they were always having rebellions. They were always trying to get rid of the Romans and fighting with the Romans and plotting against the Romans. I mean, Barabbas, the man that was released instead of Jesus, he was an insurrectionist. He was a, he was a rebel against Rome that they released instead of Jesus. Not only a robber and a murderer, but he was a, he was a rebel against Rome. So all these things are in the Jews' mind. When Peter goes, <laughs> led by God, and gives them the gospel... So Peter repeats the story. In verse 4, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. He sees a vision of unclean animals. And God three times tells him, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter goes, in the vision, he doesn't say, yes, Lord. Okay, I'll do it. He says, no, Lord. I have never eaten anything like this. These are unclean animals. I, I can't, I, I won't do it. No, I can't. I won't. It's wrong. And three times, God's, in that vision, God does it three times. So Peter's like, hmm, what is God telling me? Does he tell me I can eat pork? I mean, what is he telling me? Just a side note. God gives visions and dreams today. You need to be very careful when, when you receive these things to just try to pray about what, the, what, the, what, the, what it means. I mean, P- Peter here, this seems pretty clear cut to us. He didn't, it says here he didn't really know what it meant. And a lot of times with a dream or a vision, God is going to bring, it's, it's part of his plan, a direction, or encouragement for you. He's going to bring other things to confirm the word. So just, that's just a side note. Just, and, and God does this with Peter, if you notice. He just doesn't leave him with the vision. The Holy Spirit comes and tells Peter, three men are looking for you. Okay? 
and you're to go with them, no questions asked. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door, and Peter knows who they are and why they are. Third thing that happens to confirm this vision, an angel appeared to Cornelius, telling him where to find Peter, and that Peter needed to tell Cornelius how to be saved with his whole household. So there's a third thing. Someone else. God's giving direction. There's three, there's three things. In the mouth of two or more witnesses, let everything be established, the Bible says. It's interesting to me that the angel didn't tell Cornelius how to be saved. Because he wants us to do those sort of things. God, God has given to us, the Bible says, the ministry of reconciliation. He has, he has given that as our task. To spread the gospel, to live the gospel, to be the light of the world. That's our task. He didn't give that to the angels. So Peter, the men spend the night. It's not like today where they could hop in the car and shoot on up to Caesarea. (laughs) He spent the night and they walked. I don't know if it was like 15, 20 miles up to Caesarea from there. So in the hot Judean sun, you know. So this was over a day later. They spend the night and then they travel to Cornelius' house the next day. It was a little tougher to get things done back then. There's, so during that, during that journey, Peter has some time to think. During that time, he has time to think about what God showed him. And Peter arrives at Cornelius' house, and I'm going to go back to Acts 10. It says, you know how lawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company, unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with, or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. I, I wouldn't have gotten that. If you would have had that vision and brought that to me, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought it had to do with people, would you? We're the reptiles and, and, the, and the unclean animals in that vision. Doesn't that make you feel good? <laughs> but it, it meant multiple things. It meant... God was abolishing the dietary laws, for one, where you couldn't eat pork, you couldn't eat snakes, you couldn't eat, you know, eagles. You couldn't eat all these, all these things that were forbidden in the law. But the other unclean things, me. I know you, a lot of times you think your children are unclean things, but... <laughs> but we are unclean. We Gentiles, we've been grafted in. Jesus, if you, you know, Jesus, when he was talking to that woman from, from Tyre, who was a Gentile, an idol worshiper, he said, I was just sent to the Jews. But you notice what happened. He saw her faith and he just said, woman, the demon's gone out of your daughter. That's our God. He's merciful. And he responds to those who are hungry and who want him and who are seeking him. Even if it was out of order. Even if it wasn't their time. 
he still granted her request. Because God loves us. So, we're being grafted, we're grafted in to that Jewish plant, that vine. We're the wild, we're the wild ones. We're the barbarians, we're the Gentiles. And we think we're all civilized. <laughs> but we are the ones that were the wild olive branch that God in his mercy reached out to. Peter in Acts 10 says, starts to tell of, of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. If, if, if you look over back over at Acts 10, so he arrives and talks to Cornelius, and he, he, he tells Cornelius, God, show me it's okay for me to be here. And Cornelius says, here we are in the presence of God. Please tell me, tell us what God has to say to us. Because Cornelius was a God-fearing man. He was well-reported by all the Jews. He gave. He was a man that, I mean, super respectable man. Just top-notch guy. Feared God. He wasn't saved. You can fear God. You can do the right thing. You can be respected. But only the blood of Jesus will cleanse us. He needed to hear the gospel. And God, and Peter starts to share the gospel. Peter, he goes through Jesus' life. He goes through Jesus' death. Very briefly, Jesus' resurrection. And how God is now, Jesus is going to judge us. He's now the judge of the world. And as soon as he says, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, the Holy Spirit of God fell on everyone that was there. Because Cornelius, he just didn't, you know, show up with him and his wife. He brought everyone that was dear to him. All all his, probably his, his God-fearing soldiers, the ones that attended him, his household, probably his servants and his relatives, they all were there. I don't know how many people there were, but there were probably quite a few because he was a man that was well-known. He was a man of means. The Jews said he, had, he built us the synagogue in Capernaum. He paid to build their synagogue. So this was a man who knew people. We... We need to have the same heart. It's not just our, our salvation. It's, it's, it's everyone else, too. They need Jesus. They need what you've received. We're, we're not to hide our light under a bushel. And Cornelius, he wasn't even Christian yet. He was already like that. Verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as on us at the beginning. 
And I remember the word of the Lord. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said we would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In verse 17 he says, Who was I that I should stand in God's way? If it had been left up to Peter, he never would have went to talk to the Gentiles. In verse 18 it says, When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So I, the Jews heard the Jews heard the story of the angel speaking to Cornelius. They heard the story of Peter's vision. They heard Peter talk about how the Holy Spirit led him to do this. But that did not convince them completely, did it? God himself. He had to confirm to them by his spirit coming upon them. You notice God didn't wait very long. As soon as he told them how Peter told them to be saved, he didn't wait. Didn't wait to hear the next half hour of the sermon or hour or however long Peter was going to talk. He he acted immediately and said he poured his spirit on them. That's how God has said, I want to save the Gentiles. I've been waiting to save the Gentiles. This has been my plan from the beginning. To save us. Not just the Jews, not just the half-Jews, but all of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is, a, this is an incredible story, but how does it affect me today? We've, we've been in the book of Acts, and we've watched God move. We've watched the Holy Spirit being outpoured. We've, we've, we've been taught on the gifts of the Spirit, and the moving of the Holy Spirit, and everything else. So what do we do with that? You have it. You have everything. You have all the information. Now it's up to us to do something with it. I mean, I mean, Reed and Josh have done a masterful job just going, going straight to the Word and laying out for us what this looks like. Now it's up, for, up to us to walk in this. God didn't just save you from hell and restore your destroyed relationship with God. He also left the door wide open for you to be filled with his very presence, his Holy Spirit. He, he just didn't rescue me. I mean, when I got saved, that was, I, was, I, was wanting, I didn't want to go to hell, okay? That's why the main reason I came up, I was afraid. I came up to the altar and prayed and asked Jesus into my heart. And, and I changed inside that, at, that, at that time. But God has so much more for us. This is being saved from hell. He has so much. He has more. 
than just rebuilding that bridge so you can go you can you can go to the Father. He's sent the Holy Spirit so that you can fellowship with the Father forever. So that you can He can restore what was in the garden when God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. He's restoring that fellowship. But do we want that? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Are we content just to be, just, okay, I'm saved. I'm not going to hell. Yes, I can come to God sporadically when I need him. Like God wants us, us to walk with him, to be filled continually with the Spirit. That's what he has for us. And ultimately, we don't realize it, but that is what's going to make us happy. That is going to, what's going to fulfill us and give us joy is walking with Jesus. Like the old song says, he walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, no other has ever known. He, he just won't, he, your relationship with him it will be unique. It won't like, be like anyone else's because you're unique. He made you unique. This, this is wonderful news. You should be, this should make you incredibly happy. But it seems like when people talk about the Holy Spirit, a lot of people just kind of, oh, I don't know. They get afraid. They go, I don't know. That's, I don't know about that. That's a little weird. I don't know if I want to do that. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm glad I'm saved, okay? Just, I don't know if I want that kind of stuff. Well, if you notice, our, the Gentiles in this story, they all received, didn't they? They heard the gospel. When they, the minute they believed, the Holy Spirit fell on them. Now you see other cases, in, in, in the, Reed and Josh have, have talked about this. Other times, people needed to be prayed for. The Samaritans did. Even Paul had to have Ananias come to him and say, I've come to you, Paul, so that you may receive your sight and that you may receive the Holy Spirit. That was Paul. The Holy Spirit just said, fall on him. He saw Jesus on the road and waited three days in darkness. God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's what John the Baptist said. Jesus said he, that he was going to baptize, wanted to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Now, I think Reed and Joshua talked about this too. The term baptize means to immerse. It's not like a little sprinkle. I mean, when you go in the water, you go under the water, every part of you is wet, Okay. It's not just the top of your head or inside your ears or on your arm. So this, this experience is not like something small. This is something transforming. It, it, takes, it, it encompasses all of you. The question you need to ask yourself today, have I ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? That's, that's the question I want to pose. 
This isn't something you should say maybe. Yeah, I might have been. You know, I don't know. I might have been. This is something you should say yes, be able to say definitely yes, definitely no to. Because this, it's, it's, it, transforms your, it transforms everything. And that's how God is. A lot of times we're content with, you know, I'm saved. That's good enough. And that is, the thing about it is, being, the difference between being saved and unsaved is so huge. I mean, how much more could God have for me? I mean, this is so great. My life has been changed. I'm, I'm happy with what I got. But God has much more. It's His very presence filling us. And we, we, can't, we can't fulfill and live out what the Bible says without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't love your neighbor without the Holy Spirit's power. You can't be patient. You can't be peaceful without the Holy Spirit's power. It's not You can't. It, you end up being frustrated a lot in your Christianity because, Lord, why am I worrying all the time still? <laughs> why? Why do, I keep, why, why do I seem to have no power over, over this besetting sin of mine? It's the Holy Spirit's power that sanctifies us. I'm going to share my personal testimony about this. Now, as I alluded to before, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord in 1984, June of 1984. Uh, I was 16 years old. I, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my cousin's family, who he's a he's a he's like a he's a Baptist deacon. They invited me to East Iowa Bible Camp in Deep River, Iowa, and at the time. I was playing baseball in the summer. I was like, why do I have to go to this camp? <laughs> I'm missing a baseball tournament. Uh, so I went to the camp, to second or third night of camp. Uh, we watched a Christian movie. Uh, I was, like I said, I was convicted. I was afraid about going to hell. And I came forward after everybody left, you know, really boldly <laughs> and, and prayed with the, the pastor there. And I accepted Jesus, and I, I came, out of that, came out of that meeting, and something was different inside. I just felt different. And I, I went home, and I, I got, I, on my own, we were going to a nominal church. I got serious about God. I read a lot of good Christian literature and different things, and I was like, I was pretty fanatical, really, for some guy that really, uh, I, stopped going, I stopped on my own, stopped going to the nominal church I was going to, started attending a Baptist church nearby. Uh, I was baptized there. My folks were, were still going to this other church, and I was on my own. I, you know, I, I, I went there, and I was like, wow, this isn't really, what they're preaching here isn't, this isn't real. And before, I didn't, didn't phase me. I just was waiting for the service to be over every Sunday. But, uh, anyway, I began to be interested in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I began to seek this after this experience. I'd read some things, and I, I believed it was for today. I believed it was for me. Even though the Baptist church I was going to didn't believe in that. But, but I, then I went to Iowa State, and I was... I just was really hungry to receive the Holy Spirit in this way. And I, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And it took... It's like two years went by. And, and I was really desiring this for, for two full years. I uh, came home the summer after my, 
after my freshman year, uh, started visiting some other churches, find, trying to find churches that believed in this. Uh, finally went to one that was not too far from my house. They were old school Pentecostal type people. <laughs> the ladies had buns on there, were wearing buns, all wore dresses. Uh, they were they were they were like from the old the old school from 80 years ago in the Pentecostal movement. But they 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 taught about that and they preached about it and they prayed for that. So I went to church there that summer, and every Sunday night, you know, every Sunday night service, they, when they they gave an altar call, they, if any you know if it was if that was what the sermon was about, they they said if you want to be filled with the Spirit. Come forward and we'll pray for you. So I did. Well, first time, you know, they prayed for me. Yeah, nothing happened. Nothing happened. I think it was second time, nothing happened. Third time I went up, maybe third time's a charm. I went up and I just was praising God. I had my hands in the air praising God. Just worshiping God. And... The guy didn't even get over to me. He was praying for somebody else down there. And all of a sudden, the presence of God came. And it felt like, like a warm river just engulfed my body. And out of my mouth, I started to speak in this language. I was like, where is this coming from? I mean, I, I was just amazed. And it was I was just praising God in another language. And it just... It, it changed my life. And from that point on, I mean, the fruit of it, I mean, it, it, the Bible even became more alive after this happened. My prayer life was intensified. My zeal for God increased. My, the, my, when I worshipped God, it was, it was real. It was more real. And I was seeking God before. I was trying really hard. God's presence in my life became so much more pronounced. Before this happened, I had doubted about my salvation all the time. It's a constant thing the devil would hit me with, and I would just sit there and go, man, am I really saved? I'd sin, and I'd go, am I really saved? Am I saved? Disabolish that, okay? Because that's... God said, you're mine. I'm going to show you your mind. Here. And that's what he did there. The, the Jews, they didn't believe the Gentiles could be saved until they saw that. And it was something, it wasn't like, I mean, those guys could have said, well, I, I believe, I believe, with their mouths. They could have said, I've been baptized in water. And they still wouldn't have believed them. But God said, they're mine. Here's proof. God wants every person who believes in Jesus to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And then after you're immersed, then, you, then you're continually filled. Then you walk in this continu- continual filling as you allow the Lord to fill you. You've still, you're still going to struggle with sin. You're still going to have to make choices. But you, you're going to have a more of an enabling power to overcome. You're going to be able to pray Pray for things you don't even understand. Things that you don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit will guide you in what to pray. 
The apostles call this the gift of God. Some of us, there's this gift under, under the tree right now, and, you, and we, you won't open it. God has a, this amazing gift for you. And it's a gift that's beyond the word amazing because it's God himself with you, the hope of glory. Amen. It is the Holy Spirit of the living God dwelling in you, empowering you, filling you to overflowing. It is God's own presence. It was so important that God didn't wait for Peter's sermon to conclude. He didn't wait any longer. Just like on Pentecost, they were gathered together praying, and all of a sudden it was time. When the, when the apostles heard that Samaritans had received the word of God, they said, whoa. And, they had, and the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon them? Boom. They headed up to Samaria and prayed for them. It was important. Very important. It's important. It's important to, to give you power to be like Jesus. Amen. It's important so that you know Jesus and you're intimate with Jesus. It, it brings an intimacy to your walk. It's not, a, it's not a religious thing anymore. You know, because I, I grew up religious and I, and I approached God in a real religious way. You know, you know, the Bible says this, you know, my prayers were very, you know, very formal, very scripturally accurate, but very formal. It changes that. When you know somebody closely, you have a different relationship, don't you? This is how God makes you closer to Him. Otherwise, you know, you have, a, you have a more distant relationship. Do you want a relationship that's closer to God? Because everything that happened after I received this drew me closer to God. Everything. Jesus, at the last day of the feast, stood up. Jesus must have been sitting on the ground or on a, on a rock or, or, a, or a stone or something. It says he stood up and cried out. He didn't whisper. He cried out and said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. And that's what, back to that day, that's what it felt like. It felt like water. Warm water flowing out of my body, flowing out of my heart as I worship God. And, and those gift, that gift has remained. It wasn't like a one-time thing. The Spirit of God doesn't, is not a one-time thing. It's, this is a gateway. This is a door. It's not like something you can check off on your, on your list. On your, I'm going to do this sometime. Check. 
This, is a, this becomes part of your life. So my question to all of us, are we walking in this? Have we received this? Because this is, this is the word of God. This is what it says. This is what the gen- happened, it happened to the Jews, the Gentiles, and the Samaritans. This is what God has. We should want what God has for us. We should want all he has for us. The question is, like Josh said the other week, one of his points was, you need to take a risk. When, you got, when I got saved that night, I almost didn't go up. Put my hand kind of halfway up. <laughs> and finally, okay, maybe, maybe these people aren't going to think I'm a Christian, so I'm going to put my hand just a little bit up. And after everybody kind of got out of the building, I, I went up. You have to step out in faith. I mean, there are people, some people's attitude toward this are, well, you know, yeah, I kind of want, want it. You know, if God drops it on me sometime, you know, I won't refuse it. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So I want to leave you with that this morning. Peter had to think about the vision for a little while. If you don't believe that way, you need to think about it. Because we are, we are perfectly willing to pray for you. If you don't think that you walk in this. And if maybe you have in the past and you've walked away kind of from God and haven't really lived a life that way, and you want prayer so that you can walk that way again, we are here to pray for you. The church is here to pray for you, the elders. Because Jesus wants you to walk in this. He really does. And it's a, it, is a, it, is a, it is more than a good thing. It is the presence of the, the, our good and gracious and merciful, holy God. Making you his child and, and affirming you as his child. So I'm going to close with a word of prayer.